Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. You know, there's a, there's a song that I, I like. It's by Israel Hutton. I think he got it from Psalms 100. Well, I know he got it from Psalms 100. It says, Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. How many know that the Lord is good? How many believe that the Lord is good? That the Lord took my mess and made it into a message. And he took that test and made it into a testimony. And, and the devil was vicious and, and vindictive, but the devil, but Jesus Christ gave us the victory. The Lord is good. And that song says, the Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever. We worship you for who you are. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> that's just an audition. I've been trying to get on the worship team for a while. We worship you for who you are. And so the question is, what is worship? Well, worship is our deepest affection and our highest praise to something or someone. Yeah. You can worship a football team like the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> or you can worship a baseball team. Or you can worship an athlete. Or you can worship a celebrity. You know, as believers, God has created us to worship him. You know, the psalmist David wrote in Psalms 29 too, he says, give unto the Lord glory due to his name. And then he says, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. In other words, the psalmist David is telling us that we owe God our worship. Yes. You know, true worship is when we love him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. It is when we prize God above everything else and we put God first in our lives and first in our hearts. As it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, I don't think it's up there, but I'll read it. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. They asked Jesus, they said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus replied and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And he says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like that, like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, true worship is God centered worship now people get too caught up in where they should worship or how they should worship or what songs they should worship but Jesus tells us that the true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth now if there is a true worship then there must be a false worship and I'll get into that this means we worship the Lord from the heart because that's the way God has designed us. Can I get a witness? 
You see, worship is a, is a lifestyle. We worship the Lord by the way we walk and by the way we talk and the way we act because we reflect the God that we serve. Worship is not music. Worship is loving God. Worship is honoring God. Worship is knowing God. Worship is honoring God. Worship is loving God. Worship is proclaiming God. Music and praise are the way we express our adoration to the Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, I think they're going to put it up there. So whatever you eat, he says, or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So what is true worship? Well, the Apostle Paul puts it perfectly. There in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 to 2, it's, it's right under there. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual what? Worship. And then he says, do not be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable to you. Now, what is true worship? Well, the Apostle Paul describes it this way. He says, first, he talks about, and you can write this down on the other side. He talks about the motivation of worship. He says, by the mercies of God. Now, what Paul is telling us here is that God's mercies are everything. Now, the question is, why do we worship? Why? Because the Apostle Paul says he has given us what we do not deserve. You know what we deserved? And I'm going to tell you what we deserved. We deserve damnation. We deserve hell. But he has given us what we do not deserve. And what has God given us? Well, he has given us his grace. He has given us the Holy Spirit. He has given us joy. He has given us saving faith. He has given us comfort and strength and wisdom and hope and patience and kindness and honor and glory and righteousness and eternal security and forgiveness and reconciliation. He has justified us. He has sanctified us. He has freed us and much more. This is why we worship God. Can I get a witness? You know, the knowledge and the understanding of these most awesome and incredible gifts motivates us to pour out our praise and thanksgiving. In other words, the Apostle Paul is telling us this is the reason why we worship. Praise God. The second thing the Apostle Paul tells us is, and you can write that down, the manner of worship. What does he tell us? He tells us to present your bodies as what? A living and holy sacrifice. Now, presented in our body means giving to God of ourselves. The reference to our body here means giving to God our human faculties, all of our humanness. In other words, giving God our hearts, our minds, our hands, our thoughts, our attitudes, 
All these things are to be presented to God. In other words, we are to give up control of all the things and turn them over to God just as a literal sacrifice that was given unto God. But how are we to do this? Well, the Apostle Paul is very clear. He tells us by the renewing of your mind, right? We are to renew our minds. We are to cleanse our minds from this worldly wisdom and replace it with what the apostle calls true wisdom from God. That's how we are to renew our minds and our emotions. Now, in our context, and I think most of us know the story of Abraham. Abraham was called by God at 75 years old. And God told him to come out of the land of the earth of the Chaldeans and that God uh, would take him to a place, a land that would flow with milk and honey. And, and he promised him that uh, through his descendants, God would make Abraham a, the father of many nations. And, and so it's, it is so Abraham leaves and he, he enters into uh, Canaan or the land that God had promised him. And there he is. And Abraham is 86 years old and nothing is happening. And so Sarah, his wife, says, well, nothing's happening. I mean, God had promised us an offspring that would, uh, that, that would give us uh, a blessing. And, and so they, yeah, Sarah said, well, why don't you take my maidservant, Hagar, and you know, have a child with her? And so it was. We know the story. Abraham slept with Hagar, and they had a son named Ishmael. But Ishmael wasn't the promising. So 14 years later, Abraham is 100 years old, and Sarah is 90. Can you imagine Abraham looking at Sarah and saying, hey, let's go to the tent. (laughs) At 100 years old. And so it was. Isaac, the promise seed, is born. Now, we'll get into this right now. Now, This story that we have read is is a prophetic reenactment of the greater redemption that God would someday accomplish through Jesus Christ. And perhaps the words sum up the Old Testament worship as well. In Exodus chapter 24, God had commanded his people and he told them that you are to worship from a distance. In other words, they couldn't get near the sacrifice that the priest or or, or who God indicated to sacrifice. They were to worship from a distance. And the reason they were to worship from a distance was because of their sins. That's not the the case today because Jesus Christ is our ultimate sacrifice. Now, as the Bible tells us in Hebrews, that we can come boldly into the throne room of God. Jesus Christ paid it all for us. Can I get a witness? Now, they were to offer an animal sacrifice, an aroma that was pleasing to the Lord. And we find this both in Abel and Noah. This aroma, you know what they did? They would take the fattest calf or the biggest lamb and they would sacrifice it as a form of worship, and they would put it upon the altar. And you know what that fat did? It gave a juicy aroma. You know when you cook hamburgers or hot dogs? You know, you know what, what makes that aroma? It's the fat, you know? That's why Leviticus chapter 3 and verse 16, I don't know if they're going to put it up. It says, all the fat is the Lord's. 
Now, some of you should have been saying, amen to that. It doesn't say the skinny belong to the Lord. Amen, brother. Come on now. It says all the fat is the Lord's, praise God. You know what it means? It means when they would bring a worship, they would bring the best. You know, the biggest calf and the biggest lamb, and they would sacrifice the biggest, and they would place it upon the altar, and it made an aroma to the Lord. That's why the Bible tells us that it became a stench in his nostrils. What am I trying to say? Is that when you worship God, and when you give yourself to God, you give yourself the best. Three said amen. I said, when you give yourself to God, when you bless the Lord and when you worship the Lord, you need to give your God, we need to give God your best, praise God. If you're going to sing, give God the best. If you're going to play, play the best. If you're going to clean the temple, clean it with the best. When we come to this place and when we honor God and when we give ourselves to God, we need to give God the best. Because if God is really God, then God deserves the best for his people. Can someone say amen? So what is genuine worship? What is genuine worship? Well, genuine worship is submissive. And you can write that down. You know, in our context that we read, God had commanded, God command, God's command was hard. It was unbelievable. Yet God made it absolutely clear to Abraham that he was to to sacrifice his son. And God tells Abraham, he says, go and worship and sacrifice your son. Abraham didn't hesitate. He He did as it was. He didn't, he didn't uh, seek excuses. The Bible tells us in verse 3 that he got up early in the morning and did what God commanded Abraham to do. Now, it was unbelievable. It was hard. Can you imagine God asking you, hey, uh, take your son or take your daughter and take them up to the mountains of Tahunga and sacrifice it? <laughs> you know, so you guys would be, well, no way. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, but if God asked you to take your spouse, you'd be, honey, we're taking a drive. Where are we going? You just get in the car. We're going to take a drive. You know, submitting ourselves to God means that we listen to him. It means that we obey him. It means that we follow him. When we submit ourselves to God, we acknowledge the lordship that God reigns over our lives. And we must give God our desires, our hopes, and what God desires of us if we choose to follow him. You know, the reason why the devil is wreaking havoc in your life, and I'm going to tell you why. The reason why the devil is wreaking havoc in your marriage The reason why the devil is wreaking havoc in your children, I'm going to tell you why. Because we refuse to submit. And just in parentheses, you know, the the Apostle Paul tells us, uh, ladies, submit to your husbands. And then he tells them, man, man, love your wives. You know why? Because it's hard for women to submit. (laughs) And for men, it's hard for us to love. But the 
the reason why the devil is wreaking havoc in your life is because you refuse to submit. You know, we like that verse in James chapter 4 and verse 7 where it says, resist the devil and he must flee. And we think that's, that's it. All we have to do is resist the devil. But we don't read the first part of that verse where it says, submit yourselves, therefore, resist the devil and he must flee. The first thing that we need to do is submit ourselves to God. And when we submit ourselves to God, there is no hell, there is no devil in hell that's going to be able to prevail against God's church. Because when we are submitted to God, we are obeying him. We are listening to God. We are his children. Can someone give God a hand raise? You know, true, the true heart of worship is marked by obedience. Nothing says that we are his than when we love him and when we do what he asks us to do. You know, worship is not only something a person does. Worship is who we are. I said worship is who we are. Every obedient thing in our lives is an act of worship. Our attendance to church, our witnessing, our praying, our, our studying the Bible, our praising God, those are genuine worship. The second, genuine worship is steadfast. And you can write that down. Genuine worship is steadfast. Now, to be steadfast is to be firmly, bless you, brother. To be steadfast is to be firmly fixed and not subject to change. You know, to be firm in a belief, in a determination, and to be loyal, and to be faithful, to be immovable, to be unyielding, and incapable of being moved or diverted. Look at what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8. He says, therefore, they're going to put up there, therefore, my beloved brethren, be what? Be steadfast, immovable, Always abiding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. And what I, uh, what I often say is what you do for Christ is not in vain. Amen. What you do for Christ is not in vain. James chapter 1 and verse 12 tells us, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test... He will receive the crown of glory which God has promised to those who love him. Abraham's life was marked with worship. As a matter of fact, Abraham had just finished a time of worship in Beersheba in the previous chapter. Abraham was enjoying a, a, a life of blessing and prosperity. I mean, he worshiped God everywhere he went. He worshiped the Lord when times were good. And he worshiped the Lord when times were bad. And in this passage, things take a turn for the worse. To Abraham, God isn't making sense. Can I get a witness? Because sometimes God asks us to do things that he just doesn't make sense. Am I the only one? He just doesn't make sense. But you know what Abraham does? He still worships him. You know, in our lives group, and if you haven't joined the life group, well, uh, I think it's a little bit too late, but uh, you can join one next year. Next year, excuse me. 
Did I say next year? Sorry, where's pastor? There he is. In our next semester. You know, we, we are studying the book of Job. And if you're familiar with the Job, Job was a man, righteous man, godly man, never wavered. But there came a time Job didn't understand what God was doing. You know, and then he, 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 in a certain sense, he complained and murmured, didn't understand what God was doing. God just wasn't making sense in his life. And you know what God did? He took him to the two. He took him and he, he showed him the stars and he showed him the moon. And he said, Abraham, he said, excuse me, he said, Job, were you here when I created you? When I created the stars and the heavens and the moon? You know, sometimes we just don't understand God's plan. We don't understand God's purpose in our life. But I want to tell someone this morning that needs to hear this, that you may not understand God's plan and you may not understand God's purpose, but I want to tell you that God's plan and God's purpose is perfect. And if you submit to God's will and God's purpose, I want to tell you that God will bless you beyond what you can imagine or hope for because our thoughts are not like his thoughts. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his thoughts higher than ours. We may not understand God's plan. We may not want God's plan, but God's plans are perfect. And if we listen and submit to God's plan, God will move and bless our lives. Can someone say amen? Praise God. You know, it's easy to worship the Lord when, when things are good. When we have money in the bunny, when we have money in the bank, blessed be the name of the Lord. But what happens when our change is strange and our and our money is funny? What happens when we go through a situation or a trial that's very difficult? It's easy to worship God when things are hunky-dory and lovey and yes, we could come to church and yes, I'm joining a life group. But what happens when things turn south? It's not easy when, when hard times come. But you know, genuine worship looks beyond the crisis and sees God who is worthy of our worship regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on. That's what genuine worship is. Genuine worship sees God who is in control of all our situations and bends knees to God. Amen? Far too many people are looking for excuses not to come to church or not to worship God. It's raining or it's too hot or so on and so forth. I'm speaking to those who are listening. Amen? (laughs) I remember when I was in Utah. True story. They had invited me to preach at my sister's. And then uh, I remember it had snowed three feet that Sunday. It had snowed three feet that Sunday. And I remember the pastor, uh, my sister, we, we drove into the church and the pastor greeted me. And, and, and the parking lot was packed. I mean, three feet of snow. And I remember telling the pastor, and I said, no, yeah, people are here to hear me. And, you know, sometimes the preachers get arrogant, you know, and I was just a little arrogant. And I remember the pastor said, you know, Without skipping a beat, he says, no, they didn't come to hear you. They came to hear Jesus. Hey, you didn't didn't come to this place to hear me. You probably didn't even know I was preaching. You, you, You didn't come here to hear Mark play the piano. You know what we've come to this place to do? We've come to this place to worship. Only three people said amen. We come to this place to honor him. We come to this place to adore him. 
We come to this place to exalt his name because he has given us so much. He has blessed us beyond what we can imagine. Can I get a witness? Praise God. Because he has been so good to us. That's why we come to this place. Praise God. Amen. The Lord gave it and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what the psalmist said? The psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times for his praise shall continually be in my mouth. That means when times are good, blessed be the name of the Lord. When times are bad, blessed be the name of the Lord. When I'm going through a trouble, blessed be the name of the Lord. When things are going well, blessed be the name of the Lord. When I got money in the bank, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes. The third, genuine worship is separated. You can write that down. Separated. You know, the Bible tells us that when they arrived at the mountain, you know what Abraham did? The Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us that Abraham separated himself from every worldly care and went to worship the Lord. Abraham came ready to worship the Lord and he let the others take worldly matters You know, the Bible tells us to love not the world, nor the things that are in this world. For if anyone loved the world, the love of God is not in him. We must separate ourselves from this world. You know, there in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 26, I think they're going to put it up there. There is a story. You know, the Bible tells us that Moses, he went up to the mountain and and he... uh, he went and, and had fellowship with God. And, and the Bible says that the people were camping. They were in the camp. And they thought Moses wasn't going to come down. And so they told Aaron, they said, hey, Aaron, you know, why don't we build an idol? Why don't we build something? And so it was, they gathered all their gold and, and they, they made a golden calf. And they worshiped that golden calf. So when the Bible tells, tells us that when, 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 uh, when Moses came down the mountain, he, he heard him singing and, you know, he looked and they were worshiping an idol. And the Lord was about to strike them down. But Moses intervened. intervened. And then it says this. They're going to put it up there. It says, and then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gather themselves together to him. So my question for you this morning is, whose side are you on? I'm not talking about the Chiefs or the 49ers. (laughs) No, sir. Whose side are you on? Well, turn around to your neighbor and tell him, whose side are you on? Well, brother, I don't take sides. No, it doesn't work that way. Whose side are you on? I don't take sides. I'm neutral. No, it doesn't work that way. My friend, it doesn't work either. You are on God's side or you're on the devil's side. Just to make it plain. 
Now, if I offended you, as I tell Nestor, get over it. Because if you are not on God's side, then you are on the devil's side. Praise God. So my question for you is, whose side are you on? Are you on the winning team? Are you on God's team? Or are you on the devil's team? Praise God. You cannot love the world and love God. You cannot come to church on Sunday and lift your hands. You cannot walk with God on Sunday and dance with the devil on Tuesday. It doesn't work that way. You can't walk through those doors on Sunday and bless the Lord and go in through the window, the devil's window on Monday. It doesn't work that way. Either you belong to God or you belong to the devil. It's as simple as that. Either you are on God's side or you are on the devil's side. Yes. You know, many people have slipped into adultery. Idolatry, excuse me. Adultery is something different. You know, they they may not be worshiping a golden calf. But they're worshiping money. They're worshiping their house. They're worshiping their job. They're worshiping Taylor Swift. Any Swifties? Come on now. Come on now. Did I hit a nerve? Come on. They may be worshiping a team. People. So my question is, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Genuine worship shifts the world. Genuine worship separates ourselves to the Lord. Too often, worship is contaminated by this world. Genuine worship should be our first priority in our lives. We should do nothing else but to worship God. And you know what? And I'm going to tell you something. Worldly concerns have contaminated our public worship too. Can I get a witness? Church is not a place to catch up on gossip. We don't come to this church to do our nails. We don't come to this church to fix our checkbooks. I don't know if checkbooks still exist, but I'm an old school guy. You know, worship... Church is not a place to check your emails or to show off your clothes or to fix your hair or to talk to your neighbor or to look fault in the pastor or to cause trouble. Can I get a witness? When we enter this place, our sole purpose, our only purpose, our greater purpose is to worship the God who has given us all. This place is a place of worship. This place has been dedicated solely, fully, absolutely. 
absolutely and exclusively for the adoration, the praise, and the worship of the God who 2,000 years ago gave his life for you and I. Our sole purpose, my friend, of coming to this church is exalting him, is praising him, is blessing him, is worshiping him, is honoring him, is lifting up our voice, is lifting up our hands, it's lifting up God in praise. That is the sole purpose of coming into this place. Can I get a witness? Fifth, genuine worship is sacrificial. Genuine worship is sacrificial. You know, this type of worship, it was going to cost Abraham dearly. And when we worship, there are things that we are going to have to sacrifice. Can I get a witness? Yes. There are things that we are going to have to put upon that altar to sacrifice if we are truly going to be worshipers. You know, Abraham was called to give up his son Isaac, to give up that promise. Notice how God makes the demand in verse 2. He tells Abraham, he says, take your son, your only son whom you love. And this is the first time that we hear the word love. Now, we know that, that Abraham had another son, Ishmael. As a matter of fact, he had more sons, but he had a son named Ishmael. But Ishmael is not in the uh, story because Ishmael and Hagar had already fled. And Isaac was the only one there. But notice God's command in verse 2. He says, take your son, your only son. And what was Abraham's response? Yes, Lord. Yes. Without skipping a beat. You know, he's, he's going to sacrifice his son. And what does he do? He doesn't waver. You know, when God asks you to give up something, do you waver? God will ask you to give up that life of sin. Hello. God will ask you to give up something that hinders you from walking with him. Do we give it up freely? Or do we murmur and we cry? Or we're like that little child? <laughs> God is going to ask us to sacrifice certain things in our lives in order for us to please God. To, to, so that an aroma of our worship will, will get to the throne of God. He will make demands of us that we don't like. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He'll ask of us. He'll demand of us things that we don't like. Stop living in sin. But Lord, you know what Abraham does? The Bible says that he gathers what he needs and he goes to do what the Lord has asked him to do. And he is willing, Abraham is willing to sacrifice everything he has because it's God has commanded him to do that. You know, genuine worship is costly. Why? Because it requires sacrifices. Things like our plans, our times, our pride, hello, our pleasure, 
are secret sins. Only one said, All those things must be taken upon the mountain and sacrificed upon the altar. I'm almost done. You know, there's a story. Jesus tells us of a young ruler. And ruler means that he just had some sort of authority. And so the Bible says that this young ruler, he, he comes to Jesus Christ and he says, Jesus, what must I do to enter into the kingdom of God? And Jesus tells him, why do you call me good? Jesus is going to demonstrate what is good. And he says, well, Jesus tells this young ruler, he says, well, this is what you got to do. He says, you got you to sell all your possessions. Sell everything you have. Oh, excuse me. He says, first of all, Jesus Christ says, first you must keep all your commandments, all the commandments. Now, they were still living under the law. I know it's theological, but they were living under the law and they were saved by the commandments. But it's another story. And you know that young rich ruler? He got happy. And you know what he said? Great, awesome, you know? I have kept these commandments since I was a boy. Awesome. It's great. We're not, we're not saved by, by works. We're saved by grace. But Jesus said, hey, you, you, need to, you need to keep these commandments. And he was so happy. He was wonderful. He said, yeah, I've kept these commandments since I was a kid. Oh, but Jesus told him, but you lack one thing. He says, you need to sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. And you know what the Bible says? This young man went away sad because he was a rich man. He refused to give up his possessions. Now, I'm not saying that you need to sell your house and give them to Dayspring. That's not the context. But he refused to give what God had commanded him to give, what Jesus had commanded him. So he went to hell with heaven on his mind because he refused to give up what God had given him. What do you refuse to give up? What are you refusing to give up? Oh, come on. I know that's a loaded question. What are you refusing to give up? You know, genuine worship is not cheap. I said genuine worship is not cheap. Genuine worship requires that everything of value be placed upon the altar of God. What do I mean? Lord, my wife belongs to you. Lord, my children belong to you. Lord, my house belongs to you. Lord, my car belongs to you. Lord, my, my, my bank account belongs to you. There's only three bucks in the bank, right, babe? <laughs> but it all belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Mark, if you can, if you can play. And last, genuine worship is secure. You can write that down. You know, Abraham, he didn't know what was going to happen. But he went up to that mountain anyways, expecting a miracle. 
And that's exactly what Abraham received a miracle. He knew that his worship would not be in vain. Look at, look at, they're going to put it up there. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, he said, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his son, his only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring would be reckoned. And Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac. Death. We may not understand. We may not know. But genuine worship bows to God. Bows to the Lord. He who is, he who was, and is to come. That's what genuine worship is. Genuine worship seeks to please Genuine worship honors God. Genuine worship blesses God. That's what genuine worship is. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.